Good morning to you all. I hope you are well. And um, it's quite a sober time of worship, eh? I thought it was very amazing, though. I felt like there was such a sense of the presence of God. And um, yeah, just uh, this, this sense of holiness, I think God is really, this, this series has kind of come out of a prayer meeting as we were praying for our leaders' time. And uh, there must have been three or four people that's, that said the same thing. We feel like the season on us is holiness, and it kind of came through the leaders' weekend as well. So um, we really do feel like this is a step in God, and we're trying to keep things simple, so we just changed the sign from faith to holy, and it still needs a little bit of adjustment. They're kind of getting it already. I've already had somebody say, do you see that the wire is further away from the pillow? And I get that. I see that. It irritates me, but give the guys a bit of grace. They kind of... Those things are all wedged and whatever, until they get the things exactly right, they'll, they'll get there. <laughs> Can I just say this around some practicalities? There are two people this morning come to me who are over 70 saying to me they don't want to take the vaccine. They've watched TBN and got TV and they don't want to take the vaccine. Please, can I, can I say this to you? There's no religious reason that you cannot take the vaccine. Like just, this is a science data risk reason. And if you are over 70, you are significantly at higher risk than younger ages. I just, I, this morning, I just, I just thought, Lord, please, can there not be your decision? But can I say, if you're over 70 and you're allowed to get vaccines now, be at the front of the queue. If I was over 70, when you get older, your immune system decreases. And so your immunity, your immune system is not as working like it was when you were younger. And I don't want any of our older people passing away from this because of some theological TB and God channel reason. Friends, do not, do not take please do not take your theology. This is on the spur of the moment. I wasn't expecting to say this this morning. Please do not take your theology from God TV and TBN. Please do not take your theology. The reason why you have an eldership team and you have preaching in a local church is because you know us, you know who we are, so when I say something, I'm an accountable for it. And you can come and speak to me about it. When you're listening on TV, they can say what they like, how they like, because it, what, their, the decisions that people make according to their theology, they have got no accountability for. And can I just say, most of it is financial related. So as much as, honestly, this is like, actually when I started, when people, it's the third discussion or two this morning, but others before where I'm saying to people, if you're over 70, as a shepherd, as a pastor, and I'm hoping I'm speaking in line with an eldership thing here, if you're over 70, you should be in the front of the queue getting a vaccine. Please don't do it because you think it's the mark of the beast. It's not. It's not the mark of the beast. And uh, I'm trying to kind of make light of something that actually is quite serious, and, and people are wrestling with it and people are fearful and I totally get that. And so I'm, I'm asking God for a sense of sanity, a sense of 
of what God's doing in this moment. You, you, know, you know what you're doing if you're not having a vaccine and we're gathering like this. You are the ones that are most at risk. Do you know what the average age of the people that died in the UK is? I read this yesterday. 82. The average age. It significantly affects older people, this thing. It's an age-graduated thing, and the risks are higher that end. So you make your own decisions. But I'm just giving you something of a, of a, when people are wrestling with theological things rather than a scientific thing. So um, I hope that's not out of turn. But uh, we're talking about being holy. We're talking about being different. We're talking about being set apart. And we're not people that fear, but we are people with a sound mind. And we can analyze and we can look at risk and we can do all these things and we can make decisions on those. Anyway, without that out the way, um, we're on a series around holy. It's just God's spoken to us and he has really feel like we try to pick up the rhythms of God with this. And uh, what I'm wanting to do this morning and, and the next week or so, we're going we're gonna to talk kind of big picture holy. It's like unless we start to understand holiness as a big picture, as a, as a, as a kind of what, what the God that is holy, we kind of always have this picture of holiness that's unhelpful. In fact, I think one of the words, one of the Christian words that probably leads most rehabilitation is the word holiness. It probably needs the most uh, rehabilitation in, sense, in the sense of, um, of what we understand. When, you, when somebody says holy to you, normally the connotation is not yay. It's like, in fact, we don't often use it. I was listening to Tim Mackey's, he, he did a thing on, on holiness and he said this, it's kind of, you're not, we don't often use the, the word holy in a conversation. In fact, the way we use it most probably is you're more holier than thou. Kind of, so it's used in a negative sense and it's used of somebody that is kind of a little bit painful. Um, they're a bit painful. They are a bit condescending. They're a bit judgmental. And it's kind of used in a negative context, kind of often when we speak about these things. But friends, the, the, the biblical view of holiness is the most magnificent picture that you can have in your mind of what God is and uh, the assumption that holiness is restrictive is discriminatory and somehow dehumanizing or kind of lacking authenticity is completely not what the scriptures or how the how God wants to convey his heart in the sense of what holy means and so what we're going to do is we're going to take some time to journey with it and I loved what Ray said Please journey with us. If God's speaking to us about this, he's not just speaking to the eldership team, he's speaking to us about it. So we're trying to kind of walk with God and say, well, God, what does that mean now? How do we, how do we grapple with these things? How do we walk with these things? How, do we, how does this affect my life? How do, we, how do we change? And I'm going to kind of try and do that this morning. So kadosh is the word holy in the whole testament. And um, it, means, it means to cut. It means, and the implication is, to be cut off or separate from. It means um, that you, you're not the same as everything else. It means that you're unique. It means it, it come, it's kind of got this idea that you're separate from it. It's, 
It's you distinct from anything that's ever existed. So when we talk about God being holy, that's what we mean. He is completely distinct. He's completely unique. Every other being in the universe, in the created order of things, was created. God is the only unique, uncreated being. All the angels, all the spiritual beings that, that fly around his, his throne room are all created. They are holy in the sense that they're more like God or holy and more separate from God than what sinful human beings might be right now, but they're still not holy like God is. And so there's only one holy being who gave us the Holy Spirit that is distinct, that makes us distinct, and we're going to look at what that means. And so when we think of holy, we've got to kind of think of this very big picture of God being so other to us. In the New Testament, the word is hagios, from which we word, I'm just simplifying this, from, from which we get the word saints or sanctify or holy is translated. And again, it's kind of the, the believers are called holy ones, saints. So if God is so completely other and so completely distinct, how can we have that adjective? It's profound. Absolutely profound that. And so when we go through this, this understanding of what holy is, actually the gospel is better news than what you think. Because it's the gospel, it's the work of Jesus Christ, it's the sending of Jesus Christ to, in, in its human form to become and do all that he does that, that reconciles us with a God that is so other to us the gospel unless we understand holy unless we understand what exactly that means the gospel kind of can get watered down to something that is not as profound as what it should be in our minds when we understand holy we have this incredible sense of privilege when we have a revelation of the holiness of God the sense of privilege of him calling him father is absolutely profound. And our prayer over this time is as, as we unpack this and we, as we see different facets of this and as we unpack how we become more holy and how we do all these things, my prayer, my big prayer is this, Lord, let us get a revelation of your holiness that we would live in awe of what you've done in Jesus Christ, that we would live in awe of what we have in you, and we'd live in awe as we worship you. Awesome is one of those words that's attached to holy in my mind. God's holiness is not an aspect of who he is. It's quite important to understand this. It's like his love, his goodness, his kindness, and then holiness is one of those. It's not one of those. Holiness is not one of those aspects of God's character. Only holiness is the essence of who God is. And that, that sense of holiness, that sense of otherness, that sense of the uniqueness of who He is bleeds into every other part of His character. So His love is holy. His holiness, in fact, is holy. 
in the sense of when you compare it to anything other than God. And so when we understand holy in that context, we start to have an incredible, and you see it through the eyes of Jesus and through the eyes of the New Testament, and your heart just bursts with love, adoration, appreciation. And you know what comes back into our lives, friends? A reverent awe and fear of God. My, one of my prayers is, Lord, let us see that. So we don't take it lightly when we come and we sing songs of praise and adoration. We come into his presence. Do you know what a privilege it is to come into the presence of God? Tim Mackey uses this beautiful illustration. I love it. He says, he talks about the sun, trying to illustrate, trying to find a way to get a picture. And he talks about the sun. He says, the sun is unique in our solar system. It's holy. It's unique. It's separate. It's other. And we are exactly the right amount of distance away from the sun for life to exist on planet Earth. It's absolutely magnificent, it's warmth, it's heat, it's life. In fact, it's the sun that has got so much to do with life existing on planet Earth. But if you get too close to the sun, you get consumed by it. You don't get consumed by it because it's evil, you get consumed by it because of the awesomeness of what it is. It's an incomplete picture, but he's trying to paint a picture of what this is about the God, to come into the presence of God and not be consumed by His beauty and His magnificence and His awesomeness is an unbelievable privilege for us that call ourselves Jesus followers. Trying to get a big picture understanding of holiness. What, does the, what do the holy scriptures They're not like any other scriptures, friends. The holy scriptures. The privilege we have in today's age to have the holy scriptures, the holy recorded word, heart, inspired by the Holy Spirit in our hands. To read that, to feast on it, to feed it, to help us, to guide us, is an unbelievable privilege, friends. And when we start reading this holiness on the same level as every other scripture or every other commentary, even about this, or any other text that forms our lives, including social media, we're missing the holiness of God, the otherness of these words in this book, in these books. I'm trying to paint a big picture of holy. What do the Holy Scriptures say about this concept? I'm just going to throw some things out just to give us a, all of these need to be unpacked in their own right. What does it mean? How do we take it? There's an incredible refrain around the, the throne room of God. And we see this in Revelation chapter 4 and Isaiah 6. Of these beings, seraphim, that were created to God, God's presence. They were created to be in His presence, immediate presence. 
And when we have a picture of this, and we see this a few times in the scriptures, do you know what they are singing and saying? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They don't just say holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. May His glory fill the earth. You see, friends, in the immediate presence of God by, by these spiritual beings, by these beings, by these angelic beings, they have this re- emphasis, this, this, this repetition, which is both emphatic and absolutely a necessary response to the holiness of God. Have you ever thought of that? They haven't been told to say that. Their natural response by beings that are created to be in His presence, sinless beings created to be in His presence, their response is holy, holy, and that's all you hear them saying. Holy, holy, holy God. Think of that. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, Revelation chapter 4. Go and unpack those. Go and look at those and see what they're doing, how they're doing it, why they're doing it, what's happening there. It's so profound. Friends, I trust that your food from these book, from this book, doesn't only come from a Sunday morning. I'm praying, and that's why I'm saying go and look at it for yourself, that we're learning to feed ourselves. And a Sunday morning just helps us unpack work, think. Straighten us up a little bit if we're going a bit awful. Encourage us to get forward. Friends, we've got to be consumed by this holy, holy, holy God. What about this? Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus is one of those books that nobody wants to read. You think, Lord, couldn't we just tear that out of the Bible? Like... All those things in there are about ceremonial holiness and how people of God are meant to cohabit with the presence of God amongst them in holiness. He gives them holy days, holy places, holy all these things. Friends, what we do as human beings is we take the holy day and make a religious epithet of it. Of it. Rather than understanding holy days and holy places and holy things, we're actually meant to make us understand that we serve a holy God. And so we get religious around it rather than understanding the holiness of God, the privilege we have. The, and, God, and he puts a whole lot of stuff in place there. It's absolutely profound when you read of Leviticus in that sense. Rather than thinking, oh, this is a dry old book about rules and regulations. Leviticus 19, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Leviticus 19, verse 1, says this. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. And that, get, that, that verse gets repeated right through the scriptures. Be holy because I am holy. Amazing, it doesn't say be holy because, like I am holy. You can't be holy like God's holy. The holiness that we have to be in His presence is imparted to us by the grace of God because of the life of Jesus. Be holy because I am holy. Be different, be other, be unique, be distinct because I am distinct, unique, and other. 
It's profound, friends. What about this? Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. Wow. We have holiness because God makes us holy. And this is Old Testament. Wait until you see the power of the blood of Jesus and the privilege that we have in Jesus in the new. It's absolutely awesome. And I mean awesome in its awesomeness. Not just awesome. Hey, that's lacquer. Awesome. Awesome. Ezekiel chapter 20 verse 12 says this. Just throwing out a few. I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between us so that they would know that I, the Lord, made them holy. I gave them the Sabbath, that day of rest, so that they would know that I am holy. Wow. So an ability to rest in a 24-7 world is a reflection on the holiness of God. Like I said, these things need a whole bunch of unpacking. But think of that. So God gives us things. God gives us a Sabbath so that we can be holy. And then Sabbath in the New Testament gets unpacked even more because Jesus is our Sabbath and man, it's profound. Hope I'm putting some questions into your minds. What about the New Testament now? 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 verse 14. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so, you, so be holy in all you do. In all of your life. For it is written, be holy because I'm holy. That, it goes back to Leviticus text. In Hebrews 12 verse 15, it says, pursue holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. Have you thought of that? Pursue it. Because you're not going to see God. You see, because he's so other, unless you're pursuing, unless you've got an understanding of what holiness is, we're not fully going to see what God is doing because often what he's doing is so other than what's happening. And so other than so many world solutions or world arguments. So it says, unless you pursue it, unless, you, unless you've got an intently going after God's and pursuing His holiness and getting a revelation of it, you're not going to see God, what He's doing. What about this? 1 Corinthians 7 verse 1. Perfect holiness out of reverence for God. So it's like this holiness thing that God is so other and we are so not like that, but... He, we must pursue it and we must perfect it out of reverence for God because He is holy. It's all these, all these um, texts that kind of urge us towards this and nudge us towards this and gives us the power to move there. What about Hebrews chapter 12 verse 10? He disciplines us for our good that we may, that we may share in His holiness. Wow. But when, you, when I say discipline, don't hear punishment. When I say discipline here, training. Training. You, run, you, want, you want to run 5Ks, you start by running 1K. Training. He says, I'm going to train you, and you guess where your training is? Hebrews chapter 12 is in the hardships of life. I'm going to train you so that 
And training needs discipline, by the way. I'm going to train you for your good so that you may share my holiness. Yes, what does that mean? We need to unpack that. I'm going to train you so that you can share in my uniqueness. So that you can share in my otherness. You see, friends, the church, the people of God, are meant to be this contrast people to those around them because we have God in our midst. Holiness is a profound, profound concept or truth that we've got to investigate. Last one, 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 7. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. So how do we do that? If this is so vast and so big, how do we do that? I'll give you a hint. Jesus. And we're going to go on a journey of seeing what does this mean for us. Because we want to be a holy people. And I want to look at Exodus chapter 3 very quickly. Just to give you a snapshot of the implications of holiness. As I end off. So have a look at Exodus chapter 3. It's the burning bush, um, burning bush story. It's Moses and the people of God are crying out. The people of God are groaning because of their slavery. And it says God heard their groaning and he remembered their, their covenant. He, the covenant that he had. He remembered the relationship that he put in place with them. And so he sent help. And what we have with Moses, who, was, who grew up in the courts of Pharaoh as a prince, recognized something of the call of God for him, ended up going to the back, back end of the desert to look after sheep. And he's looking after sheep for 40 years, by the way. One of the things we'll learn about holiness, patience, faith and patience is a big word with this. Being a patient people actually means being a holy people. That's different. You can wait on God. Anyway, 40 years. 40 years in the desert. And he has this moment. Now Moses, verse, chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight while the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Imagine being that dude. His response is exactly what I would have done, I think. And Moses said, here I am. I hope that would have been my response. Verse 5, don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Beautiful story. Moses, shepherd, thinking, God, the reason why I've got into trouble with Pharaoh was because I felt like God had a big call for me, 
And now I'm the back end of the desert looking after, I'm not even my sheep, my father-in-law's sheep. It's not like I even own a business. I'm just looking after somebody else's things. And he takes them, he happens to take them to Horeb. And Horeb is a very significant place in the Old Testament. We'll find out later. He takes them to this place and he sees this bush that's on fire. And he's curious because he's seen many bushes on fire. You're in the desert, it's hot, lightning, all those sorts of things, dryness. You're going to see lots of bushes on fire. The difference was, was the bush wasn't burning up. Have you ever had hot tinder? Have you, have you, I remember having a Christmas thing where we had a real um, Christmas tree with those little pine needle things. Anyway, by the end of it, it was finished. We took it out, put it in the back, and it was dry, dry, dry. And I thought, hey, jeepers, actually, I don't want to take this thing because it's going to put mess everywhere. I'm actually just going to burn it. So I put a match to it, and it was like, and before you knew it, in like 10 seconds, it was like just twigs. That's what normally happens in the, in, the, in, the, in the desert. But in this one, it keeps burning, but it, it's not going away. It's not consuming the bush. It gets his attention. So he starts to move to look at this strange sight. It's amazing how holiness is incredibly attractive to people. I tell you what, friends, we go on all our evangelism programs, we go on all these things, the church puts all this stuff on. Maybe the solution lies in just being a holy people. That people get attracted to this strange sight. What? How does this work? He goes across to him. He goes across to them. And as he's coming closer, as he's coming closer, God says, Stop. You're getting too close. He's like, imagine that. And he doesn't just say, by the way, whoever you are, Moses, Moses, from within the bush. You see, holiness, friends, is not, it's not powerful because it's destructive. It's powerful because of its love and goodness. It's a little bit like that movie, um, uh, what was it called with the little monsters, Inc.? Monsters Inc. little kids movie a few years ago and what they used to do is they, they used to get energy by harnessing people's fear and then what happened was is it all shifted around and they realized that actually laughter was more powerful or joy was more powerful than fear so they started making people laugh rather than making them scared I don't know if you guys remember Monsters Inc. it's a little bit like that with the, fear, with the, with the holiness of God and so many of us think of God, it's not, a destruct, it's not destructive. Actually, the thing doesn't get consumed. And it's strange because it's so attractive. He calls you to come closer. Holiness, in the midst of this, calls us to come closer to Him. It kind of it, it, it attracts us. And then He says, Moses, Moses, you're getting too close. Take your shoes off. You see, friends, holiness, the holiness of God. We, we, when you come into the presence of the holiness of God, you change. God doesn't. It. it transforms you. You've got to take something off. And we start to see a little picture of this. You've got to take something off. Any death, disease, decay, 
cannot be in the presence of God. You can't be a shepherd walking around in sheep poop and come into the presence of God. He's trying to show, people, show us that actually God is so other. Any of those things actually get consumed in the presence and the love and the goodness of God. That's why it doesn't matter how good you think you are, you can't come into relationship with God. You need to put, take off your old and put on the newness of Christ. Then come into the presence of God. Beautiful, eh? So what happens is this holiness then leads to this incredible humility where he falls on his face. You see, holiness, when we understand holiness of God, when we, when we come into the presence, when we get a revelation of holiness, we, we, it puts huge humility into us. It puts worship into our hearts. He falls on his face. There's this fear of God. He knows that he's meant to be there, but he can't look at God because he's so unbelievably awesome and holy. That same God in the New Testament reveals himself as our friend. Do we get that? It's absolutely profound. Holiness is attractive. Holiness needs to humility, worship, reverence. Holiness needs to transformation. You see, it's just inappropriate to be wearing shoes on the holiness. There's something under his shoes that I've got to get off. Again, Tim Mackey, just so brilliantly. Go and look at it. Tim Mackey, Bible Project, Holy, and he does a, found a preacher on it. He, he says this brilliant thing. He says, some things are just not appropriate to do in the presence of holiness. It's not like it's sin. It's just not appropriate. In the same way as you go, don't go and eat dinner in your bathroom. Now, have you ever thought, why do we have a dinner party in the bathroom, in the toilet? We clean our teeth there. We also do other things there. But it's just not appropriate to eat dinner in your bathroom. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's, 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 a, it's a unique place in the, in, the, in the house for its own function. In the same way, God is, there's some things that we just, it's just not appropriate to be with God and do those things in His presence. And then also what we understand from that story, <coughs> lastly, is that holiness has a sphere. It's like wherever the presence of God is, that becomes holy. So be careful. It's like that was just the bush and it was just the desert. But now the presence of God is there. Be careful how close you get to the, big, to the center of it. It's kind of where God is. He has this ability to make the things that where he is holy. And so it gets treated differently. It gets thought through differently. Do you know that the Holy Spirit lives in you? I wonder how many people, when they come into our presence, on their face. Holiness is a profound concept in God. And I end by saying this. We pursue holiness not primarily through abstinence, by saying no to things. We pursue holiness primarily through our engagement with the Holy One. 
Let me say that again. You don't pursue holiness, and this is why we've got to redeem this word. You don't pursue holiness by saying no. You do, that's what happens in the end. But you primarily do it by engaging with the Holy One because of the privilege we have with Jesus. You see, what happens is then, it's, it's better to get a revelation of His holiness which leads to a conviction of sin than go for a conviction of sin because then it never lasts, friends. But if you've got a revelation of holiness which realizes I am completely undone, naked, unclean in this presence outside of Jesus Christ who makes me clean, full, and a son and daughter of this holy God. It changes the way you think about it. My prayer over this time is that we begin to, to get a revelation of God's holiness that filters into all of that we do. We read the one text from Colossians, I think it was. In all that you do, rather than us trying to see holiness as a goal we're trying to attain. No, no, no. It's learning to engage with the Holy One through the gospel of Jesus and allowing Him to build holiness into us that we can be those bushes that are on fire without being consumed. That when people come into our presence, when people, when people come into our presence as a community, there's a sense of God is there. What must I do? I need a response. Let me take my shoes off. I trust we, over this season, we just allow God to show us these things. I've just thrown a few little things at us just to get us our appetites wet just to get our appetites going in terms of this journey. Bless you. Bless you as we journey with us in Jesus' name. Amen.